Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, the very special Monday Pickups Edition for week 15, whew, this is the start of the fantasy football playoffs uh, for most of us. I am Andy Behrens, coming to you from Chicago. He is Scott Pianowski, the legend, the Hall of Famer. Uh, Scott, we're coming off of a Sunday in which the early games were uh, pretty much all dreadful. The late games were kind of fun. What stuck out to you? How are you doing today? Yeah, it wasn't a great picks week for me because uh, all the favorites pretty much won. The only upset was the Falcons beating the Panthers and I think the favorites went 11 and two against the spread. So if you're a favorite guy, if you're a teaser guy, the, you know, teasing favorites, money line favorites, whatever it is, good week for you. Yeah. At least, at least the late games had some, some juice, you know, Buffalo Tampa got interesting. I, we, we saw it was the week of the almost great comeback, right? I mean, Pittsburgh yeah. was, was buried on Thursday night. They almost came back and won. Baltimore was getting crushed. Lamar Jackson's out of the game. They almost came back and won. Buffalo, Tampa. Buffalo's getting stormed out of the building. The Bills give up on those guys. Just when it looked like they were dead and buried, they get that game into overtime. And then I'm, I don't know about you. I, I can't decide if the Bengals and Niners are good football teams. They're interesting. and, and it, it's <laughs> They fun can't to watch decide. George, if they can't decide, why, why should I be able to decide? They really can't pick a lane. You know, just one other theme from, from Sunday, you know, Kittle was fantastic, which is magnificent in that, in that Bengals-Niners game. I guess we could admit the batons have been passed. I mean, Travis Kelsey has just been such an ordinary player for such a long time. Kittle's back. He's beasting on a weekly, you know, every week he does he does something crazy. And Mark Andrews is playing at a very high level. When Rob Gronkowski's been on a football field this year, he's been terrific. I, I never consider Travis Kelsey anymore at the number one tight end spot. And because he's been parked there for such a long time, this yeah. just feels a little bit... I, I finally got gotten over the fear of this, and I and I realized Kansas City won big, and you know the Raiders were dumb to stomp the logo and all that. But I'm over the fear that oh, this is the week I fade Travis Kelsey, and he's going to make me pay for it with 130 and two. I, I just I don't think that's coming. Yeah, he hasn't exactly been a first round bust, right? Because at least relative to some of the other first round busts, there's no, he's playing, which is which is more than we can say for a lot of the running backs, certainly, but. Not separated in the way that he has in years past, obviously. And Kittle's always been Kittle's probably like the buy low of the year, right? Like if you if you dealt for him when he was on IR and everybody was basically swearing him off because they're like, oh, this guy's too injury prone. He's never I'm never doing this again. Um, he was certainly available to you. And now all, all of a sudden he comes off of IR and they actually throw to him in the end zone 
which is a shocking development for anybody who's had George Kittle on a fantasy roster over the last few years. So yeah, I think you're right. I think he's, I think he's, he's always been in that conversation for best real life tight end, right? Because of his, his effect on, uh, on your run game, his, you know, he's, he's such a, he's such an eager blocker, right? And he's so good at it. But now, I mean, just a, just a beastly performance by him in week 14. I know this might blow up in my face. But you can make a case that Rob Gronkowski is a better fantasy start than Travis Kelsey the rest of the season. Sure, absolutely. Um, for for one thing, Kelsey is like Kelsey has like a drop a week lately. Um, it's obviously not exactly the same level of offense, and and Gronk is tied to a quarterback who's I I don't know how many how many games does Tom Brady have now with four or more touchdown passes? Right, it's like six games like that. So. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can buy it They're They're certainly all part of a, of a, I don't know. Is it a, is it a top tier of like four guys at tight end? Well, Kittle, Andrews, Gronk, I, I guess Kelsey's four right now. I don't, I guess Waller will slot back in whenever he gets back. And here's something else I didn't see happening. Okay. When, when Darren Waller got hurt, the knee jerk, reasonable fantasy play was, well, you know, Foster Moreau is not a bad player. He's going to step in and be good. No, it's, it's Hunter Renfro is going to take over the NFL. He's yeah. been, the and he's been the skeleton key. He's been the answer key for the last three or four weeks in DFS. If you had him, and he's probably we probably talked about Hunter Renfro not that long ago on the show. I mean that that's where he's come from. You know, the last three weeks, Hunter Renfro has basically owned the wide receiver position. Yeah, you're right. He's like a month and a half removed from being eligible for the pickups podcast, right? For, from being out there at about 35% of leagues. And he'd almost turned into a, a Tim Patrick type where we just talked about him every week and the and the roster percentage didn't budge. I, I talked about him so, to be fair, I was always so lukewarm with him. Like, oh, yeah, if you want five for 64 and right. no touchdown, Hunter Renfro is here for you. But he's kind of turned into, I've seen, I think Michael Safino made this comp, others may have made it, that maybe he was this year's Cole Beasley. I think he may even be a little bit better than that. I mean, because I don't think of Cole Beasley having the three-game run that Renfro just had. And I guess the question would be, what happens when Waller comes back? Does Renfro just go back to being ordinary? And that, man, does that Raiders team look broken? They certainly can't beat Kansas City. They're going to be thrilled that Kansas City's yeah. off their schedule because they got demolished by them. Let me ask you one more question. You, Eve of the fantasy playoffs, how, what's the resume looking like? You uh, you punch a lot of tickets? Get a lot of buys? I, I am feeling very good, yes. Uh, I, I haven't done a full accounting of it uh, right at this moment, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm on to the playoffs in most places, in almost every place where I don't hate my team. Uh, I'm off to the playoffs and feeling good about it. Unfortunately, I have a fair amount of Lamar Jackson, which which might be a problem, although I have some buys out there, too. So uh, if it's if it's not too bad an injury with Lamar, I might be OK there. Yeah, even if he plays, though, his level of performance has been a problem for several weeks, too. I'm curious to see when Jackson comes back. I, I figure that Bateman's probably somebody we'll talk about later in this show. I mean, after doing nothing, I, we may have even talked about dropping him a couple of weeks ago. Perfectly yep. reasonable. He did nothing in the Pittsburgh game. Yep. And then he was terrific in that comeback. So, look, another NFL every every week is crazy in its own way. Um, week 14 had some craziness. Like you, I've, I've had a good season. This hasn't been my best fantasy season, but it's been a – it stands to be a profitable year, and most of my teams are playoff bound. That's all. look, just get in the tournament, man. You do not have to have the best team. Just get in the tournament and try to survive it. We talked about that in the newsletter last week. You know, I think you survive. Sometimes you survive to a fantasy championship as much as you gallop triumphantly to a fantasy championship. And your roster probably looks nothing like it did in August or September with with injuries and with the management that you do. So just get in the tournament and then cause some damage. 
For sure. Sage advice. Before we actually get into the pickups this week, uh, Christmas season is here and Yahoo is going big for the holidays. Yahoo Daily Fantasy will be hosting a 12 days of winning celebration as there will be special holiday contests and offerings leading up to Christmas weekend as a gift to our users. From big contest overlays, everyone wins contests. That's a, that's a pretty fair contest. Free rolls and holiday-themed contests. The 12 days of winning will be filled with special contests all holiday season long. Check out our lobby starting today and join in on the holiday fun. You know, on the fifth, on the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden tates. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Go ahead. That is, that is brutal. Terrible. I need to recover from that briefly. Throw, throw me, throw me off the pod right now. One more <laughs> show. Uh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a 15 yarder for taunting uh, there. Uh, before we before we actually get into the pickups this week, I want to talk about the waiver out of the year a little bit because I, I was having some conversations over the over the past few days about Cordero Patterson. He just scored. He just listen. All all due respect to Elijah Mitchell, I think it's kind of over for for the waiver pickup of the year, and I think that's Cordero. Uh, he scored his tenth touchdown of the season on Sunday. He is now over 500 rushing and 500 receiving yards. He is the overall RB six and the overall wide receiver seven, which is not a thing that we typically expect or see from any player. He's also 30 years old. Uh, he is in his ninth NFL season. He has literally never done anything like this before. And I, I believe he's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's just on a one-year deal with Atlanta. Assuming he comes back to Atlanta, what on earth are we doing with him next year? Yeah, fun story. Unforeseen story. And I think what's going to happen next year is he's going to be the the very convenient push button here. Industry analysis is going to be, okay, Career year out of nowhere, you fade this, regression's yes, going to yeah. hit, you don't go near Cordaro Patterson. And then the pushback is going to be, well, no, I'm in, I'm in my draft. Nobody wants to take this guy. At what point do I have to shrug and say, well, maybe, you know, he, I think what's going to happen is everybody's going to be so afraid of being the sucker of getting Cordaro Patterson that he's actually going to slide to like round five or round six. And yet I still think he's going to be disappointing. This is just so unusual to see a player pop this late in, in this stage of the career. And Next year, you would think they'd have a better idea what to do with Kyle Pitts. You would think that Kyle and Ridley hopefully will come back and, and have a, a fruitful season. There's going to be more competition for the ball, especially especially because I think the emergence of Pitts is inevitable. And also notice that Patterson, the shape of his touches have changed recently. He's been more of a running back. He's much more valuable in fantasy if he would get more routes and more catches. He's been more of a, of a traditional running back of late. He's, like a, he's like a base early down running back now. Yeah, he's like a two-down grounder, grinder now. It's an unbelievable story. It's no fun to say fade things. And you know me, I always, one of my cores of, of my fantasy ethos is you just can't scream regression and leave the room. It's going to be your regression to what? At what point does Cordero Patterson become a value because everybody's afraid to touch him? But I'm just afraid that he might re- regress to like a, a season where he's like getting dropped. You know, where he just is, it's just, we just look back and think it's like a Brady Anderson 50 home run season. It's like, oh, that's cool that that happened. It never was going to happen again. Yeah, it's wild. I can't think of a good comp for it, especially um, especially at running back, right? Like we had the we had the Brandon Lloyd eighth year breakout, um, which basically NFL never receiving happens. title. 
1448, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but then, I mean, Patterson's not even really a receiver. You get to play him there, but he's not even really a receiver anymore. He's not, you know, he doesn't have all this value because of because of all the routes he's running and all the targets he's seeing. It's it's mostly as a runner now. He's still not even playing 50% of the snaps most weeks. Um, it's that it's just a while. I also, I don't like his body type for a running back too. He, he, he runs kind of upright. You would think he, just taking that many hits would be, not ideal for Patterson. I still like him more as a receiver. Yeah. I'd be I'd be more in on this story if it had stayed where he was a receiver who got running work. Not that he's basically a primary running back now. I, I don't think that's actually a sustainable business model for him. And and let me make it clear, it's no fun to poo-poo this. I love stories right. like this. I think fantasy's much more fun when guys come out of nowhere. And um I, I have some Patterson shares. He's he's somebody, you know, if this story does go turn to a pumpkin, I hope it's next year because I need him for another solid, you know, two or three weeks. <laughs> So I can rampage towards fantasy glory, but so it, again, I want to I want to make this point clear. Everybody's going to say, "Don't touch him! Don't touch him! Don't touch him!" And then you're going to get a really good price on him, and you're going to be tempted. What what round would you be say it's a standard twelve team league? What round do you think you'd be tempted to uh, to push the envelope on Patterson? I mean, if they don't do anything at running back except re-sign Patterson, um, I don't I don't see why he shouldn't go where Mike Davis mistakenly went this year, right? Well, they're like, going to draft like somebody in the second or third round, right? You got to figure they're going to add a running back. Probably. You think? I mean, Patterson is, you wouldn't think that Patterson, like entering an age 31 season would be a long-term plan for them. He's just been so good. He's just been so crazy. I mean, good. we're at a point now where we're getting afraid of running backs who are 26, 27, 28. I mean, right. the running back on the second contract has become the dead zone, right? Yeah. I got to believe they, they add in somebody who's going to be a, somebody you would think could play right away. Yeah, it's probably a one-year wonder. I, I just, I'm so grateful to him because I've got him in a couple of key places. Um, it's a shocking season. I, I thought it was going to be like, oh, well, let's just kick the tires. Let's, I mean, I, I, it's not like I broke the bank for him uh, in the leagues in which I added That's him, right? That's the key takeaway, right? I mean, the people who have Elijah Mitchell had to elbow others out of the way. Yes, right. Where I got Patterson, I, I feel like I made a keep the room honest bid on Patterson and got Patterson anyway on that yeah. offer. It wasn't anything proactive. Yeah, same way. Uh, and I ended up with him in like three or four places and I'm in the playoffs in all of them. And it's just like the it's so borderline unfair to be able to play that guy at wide receiver uh, each week. But I can. How have you how have you reconciled the fact that they never seem to get I know Pitts was OK this week, but I, I've never tried. I haven't really got a good answer for why do they understand Patterson there? Why do they have the skeleton key for Patterson? And you had Kyle Pitts. I, I can't believe every scout was wrong on Kyle Pitts. With my own eyes, I see a player who just looks impossible to cover. And yeah. yet the Falcons scheme him where he's possible to cover. Uh, how do you reconcile the fact that they've popped with Patterson and yet Pitts has been not a major disappointment, but at least a minor one? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I certainly don't think the full answer is that he's seeing. Um, and But it, it's true that Pitts is often seeing quality corners, right? Like we'll see Gilmore on him. We'll see Lattimore on him. I mean, he's seen he's seen a level of attention that uh, perhaps we would not have expected had Calvin Ridley been part of the game plan as well. It's also just, you know, this, this is what the position looks like historically. Like if Pitts had actually met everyone's expectations, it would have been the single greatest rookie tight end season of all time. Um, and we should, we, you know, we probably shouldn't kick him too much for not delivering that. He's still going to finish the year with a with a respectable enough yardage total. It's not going to be, you know, he's going to be light on touchdowns, it appears, unless he really booms toward the end of the season. But hasn't been all bad. He's got a couple of hundred yard games. It's just that you thought after those back to back hundred yard games that he was just going to take off from there and it was going to be meteoric. Well said. 
Well, let's dive into uh, let's dive into the running backs this week because this is probably this is probably the most interesting position. It's not. It may not actually be the position of greatest need right now, but the name at the top to me is just the most interesting. We'll we'll hit the injuries first. Austin Eckler came away from the week with uh, with an ankle issue. Sounds as if it's not a huge worry. Sounds as if he's going to be fine. Go ahead and check out Eckler's Edge with Liz Loza. I'm sure they'll go over that. Um, Kareem Hunt also came away with an ankle issue. That's a concern. Not that you were heavily invested in the Houston Texans backfield, but I will note that Rex Burkhead had a groin injury. Royce Freeman came on. That is the last we are going to speak of Royce Freeman. Uh, David Johnson was also out this week on the COVID list, but enough with the Texans. Let's talk about a guy who just absolutely feasted against the Texans, and that's Rashad Penny. He was, I imagine Rashad Penny is going to be the, the most popular of ads this week. He was tremendous. He, like, career highs across the board, um, 137 rushing yards, couple of touchdowns, looked good doing it. He was stiff-arming Texans defenders into the dust. It was just, it was all great to see. Um it's wild. It's wild that we're talking about Rashad Penny in this way, but he was great. And he came away from the game uninjured, which is a little bit unlike Rashad Penny, but um, he's pretty exciting going forward. He's got a tough matchup coming up with the Rams. But then on the back end of that, it's the Bears and the Lions in the two most important weeks of the fantasy season. So I'm interested in him. Other names that I wrote about, um, Jordan Howard, presumably coming back from injury this week. We hope he is. He's got a nice little schedule down the stretch with the Washington football team twice and the Giants. Uh, And he has basically settled in as a guy that they will never throw to, but is always going to get at least a dozen carries. Miles Sanders also dealing with an injury right now. So I think Jordan Howard could get interesting. Also mentioned uh, the Chargers backs because we kind of had to not knowing exactly what the Eckler injury is going to be. Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson seemed like they would split time. Mentioned, although without uh, much enthusiasm, Philip Lindsay, who probably steps into 10 or 12 carries regardless of the health status of Miles Gaskin. If Gaskin can't go, then there's a lot of Lindsay ahead and it's it's the Jets. So we like that. Another name that I threw in there was uh, Devontae Booker both because he is the backup to Saquon Barkley. And I, I wonder if at some point the Giants don't just shut down Barkley. I will now give you the floor to heap praise on Rashad Penny. Yeah, you know, I have a checkered history with, with Pennies, you know. Uh, Anthony Hardaway didn't work out for me. <laughs> Brad, Brad Penny was was often a mistake in fantasy baseball. Even Janet Jackson's role on good times left me a little cold. <laughs> but, man, it's happened. Rashad, you know, three, three people got that joke, but maybe two. You and me, Andy. But uh, man, we've been waiting for Rashad Penny, right? I mean, he was one of the poster children for why do you take a first-round running back in the draft and the Seahawks are idiots and everything. The key here to me is that Russell Wilson's starting to look healthier. And isn't it funny how Tyler Lockett's been become the number one receiver there and DK Metcalf's really had a lost season? I took Metcalf over Adams in one league, a distance scoring league. That's, uh, that's going to be a very painful hit for me. I'm afraid to figure out how much money I cost myself with that. But... <laughs> Yeah, Penny, with that schedule, I mean, you know, the Rams this week, you have to get through it. But the big thing for me is that the Seahawks offense is playing better and Penny's the last back standing. And obviously after that performance last week, that's going to earn him a very high touch floor going forward. So he's an easy guy to press play on. The tricky thing for the Chargers is they play Thursday. So we need to figure out. Yeah. And, and you know, keep in mind, I know we're going to analyze – what the usage was after Eckler got hurt in the third quarter of the week 14 game. But a lot of times what teams do going forward is not necessarily a baton pass from what they did in the emergency. We weren't planning on this. We have to do something on the fly situation. They were also well ahead in that game. 
I think I prefer Jackson. I, it's not with a ton of conviction. I don't have a lot of leagues where I have the type of leverage where I'm going to get to pick and choose. I may have to take the leftover in that backfield. Uh, I, Jackson would be the guy I'm probably going to rank higher, but I, I can't say it with any level of confidence. And I'm, and I'm curious how Austin handles that with the, with the podcast with Liz, how forthcoming he'll be about his injury and about what they might do if he can't play. You know, Booker, Booker to me, he'll catch the ball. I don't, I don't, Barkley, I mean, he hit that late touchdown that, on that beautiful wheel route down the right sideline. Yeah. He hasn't looked healthy to me all season. Um, neither is Ezekiel Elliott for that matter. Even with the Tony Pollard less backfield, Zeke couldn't really do anything in the game they controlled. What a disappointment that was. I don't think Book is a bad player. He can catch the ball. He can play on all three downs. They don't have, incidentally, their penny got in the end zone this week, too. Uh, I think it's <laughs> Elijah Penny, is it? So it's a good, good week for the small change. But, um, yeah, I, I can I can sign off on Penny. I, I always get the Eagles' backfield wrong, and presumably Jalen Hurts will be back, even though he's the the second best natural passer on that roster. We discussed that last week <laughs> in detail. But um, you, know, you think Hurts is going to Hurts is probably the most likely player to have a rushing touchdown on that roster, so it's, yeah. it's hard for me to go near him. I just want to mention one other player. He, I, I assume Jamal Williams will be back this week, or eventually DeAndre Swift will be back, but. I knew nothing about Craig Reynolds, the, the running back for the Lions, and I thought he actually looked pretty good. He's got a very similar body type to Williams, and I thought he ran. I thought um, Reynolds ran well at Denver. That the Lions didn't do much in that game of note. Uh, they got blown out like a lot of people thought they would. Obviously, they were missing a lot of COVID unavailable players. But uh, maybe in, in some formats where you're just looking for depth, you know, maybe you might have somebody playable down the line. Maybe there's a case for a small offer for Craig Reynolds. Yeah, Lions coaches um, were were just aglow with uh, the performance as well. It was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was blindsided by it as well. I didn't have any sort of investment in the in the Lions backfield outside of Williams or Swift, so didn't didn't really hit my fantasy portfolio personally. Um, but I, I I also didn't I didn't you know write about him except as an honorable mention in the pickups column because I just have to imagine that one of Swift or Williams will return. But I agree with you. you. Like he did look good. It was it was eighty plus rushing yards from a guy that you know uh, recently elevated to the roster. So that was exciting. I'm I'm also with you on Justin Jackson. It doesn't again. It doesn't sound like the Eckler issue is too significant. Uh, Brandon Staley said that that he's fine. And again, it was a non competitive game. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully we learn something from Austin himself this week. Right. What an advantage. What, what a great job they've done on that podcast. And man, Eckler, if you're, if you're watching Austin Eckler, you know, I watch, I watch your show. Do you watch my show? I really need you. If I, if I do make the Charles Robinson uh, playoffs um, in, in the Therese Paler uh, Memorial League, uh, Eckler's a key. It's a 20 teamer, man. There's no replacement value. On I, the got, waiver I got, I got I played Rashad Penny this week. I saw that. that I saw that you, you scooch. Yeah, so I need I need I need Eckler in that league. I can't expect Austin Hooper to score every week, so I'm going to need Austin Eckler. I, I hope. I, look, I know Eckler presumably plays for the Chargers, but he's also playing for all of us too. So I hope he's mindful of that. Heck yeah, he is. Um, let's hit the let's hit the quarterback position. Uh, we mentioned Lamar Jackson already had the early ankle injury. As it's, I mean, it's not that there's a good time to have an injury, but when it occurs that early in a game, just absolutely brutal. He was carted to the locker room, ruled out pretty quickly. Josh Allen came away from the week with what is reportedly a mild case of turf toe. Uh, He was in a boot after the game. Didn't seem all that concerned about the injury himself. Uh, Taylor Heineke 
came away with both elbow and knee issues. Uh, the knee, at least, is not believed to be serious. He, uh, he, he didn't sound too happy about the elbow himself, but uh, we'll see. Uh, early, early indications are that he should be good to go in week 15 if you happen to be playing him in a super flex. Aaron Rodgers, I should mention, in a in a almost perfect game against the Bears, aggravated his toe injury. Uh, I've never heard a player discuss an injury so much, but uh, I guess that's a thing to worry about. It, I, I would assume that Aaron Rodgers is going to play through it and continue to play at an elite level, so I'm not terribly worried about that. The ads that I wrote about, uh, and then I'll, I'll give you the floor, amazingly enough, and, and this is really a reflection of the time of year, right? And, and how many people have already checked out, I assume, of leagues if they're not in the playoffs. But Taysom Hill is still out there in 50% of Yahoo leagues. I don't assume that Taysom Hill is out there in any competitive leagues or deep leagues. But, you know, the, guy, the guy's 50% available. That's kind of wild to me. He's got 174 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns over the last two games. And that's totally predictable, right? We know exactly who Taysom Hill is. Kind of sketchy as a passer, really fun as a rusher. He's generally good for two touchdowns a game of some sort. Um, he's got the Bucks coming up. That's less than ideal. Then he's got Miami. That's also less than ideal. Uh, but then he's got Carolina in week 17. And he's such a such a weird quarterback that you can't really apply the usual matchup uh, tables against him, right? Because he's a little bit of a running back. He's a little bit of a quarterback. He always finds a way to score. Other guys that we mentioned in the column, Ben Roethlisberger, he's got Tennessee coming up. Roethlisberger, for all of his faults, has at least attempted 40-plus passes in three of his last four games. Uh, there's Man, the Steelers are a podcast unto themselves, I suppose we could have. Uh, but we can talk about Ben a little bit. Tua has got the Jets coming up. That's obviously a friendly spot. And I've basically got Jimmy Garoppolo parked in the column because he's got you know, he's, I think we know the ceiling and the floor both involve two touchdown passes, right? Like week in, week out, Jimmy Garoppolo gives us like 220 and two, two touchdown passes. That's what he does. Um, he's still got this really friendly schedule with Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston on deck. So those are the guys I mentioned. If there's anybody else you want to, you want to toss out there, let's hear it. No, I think you hit the right guys, you know, Tua and, and Jimmy G, they're kind of similar in that. I think they have high floors. They don't have the highest ceilings, but if you're just be happy with 17, 18 points with, with maybe an upside up into the low 20s. That works. As you mentioned, Garoppolo, the great schedule. I, I would like to see them throw the ball a little bit more than Debo Samuel, like Patterson. Yeah. Debo's been almost like a running back when he's been on the field lately, and, and that hurts Garoppolo a little bit. What what a great touchdown uh, Brenda Ayuk had to end that game. I'm sure you know, Harmon's still breaking it down on game, coaching <laughs> tape right now. But the interesting thing about about Hill and Roethlisberger is that they have they have both been like – like the sketchy closer in fantasy baseball. It's like, look, you can roster this guy, but please don't watch him. We'll take years <laughs> off your life. The Rocky Biddle of the quarterback position. Yes, I love it. For two weeks in a row, and then this may go back further, uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers have looked like they just met before the game started and been awful for a half, maybe even three quarters, and then turned into the college student doing his term paper the night before and cramming everything into the late stages of the game. Mad comeback for Roethlisberger the last two weeks. They scored all those late points against Baltimore. They They... Almost ended our, our friend Brendan Velasquez's life with that with that comeback Thursday <laughs> night that fell short. I mean, and Roethlisberger threw an absolute dime to Clay to uh, was it um, the tight end right? Um, Fryermuth in the in the end zone, like between yeah. three dudes, um, put Great it on his throw. hands. Great throw. And also, and they, there was that drop by Deontay in the in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, another just beautiful ball. I don't know where this came from, and you know, and Hill. 
I played Hill in some DFS lineups, and for a couple hours, I was kicking myself. I was looking at Taysom Hill having <laughs> like six or seven points. He tacks on. He didn't just score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He scored one with like five and a half to go, six minutes to go. Fine. And then he had the breakthrough, the containment. The game's already over anyway. I should probably just go down. Well, there's nothing but green in front of me. I guess I'll take the touchdown. He scores like a 42-yard touchdown with a minute and change left. Total garbage time. And we, we saw it. So garbage time went ahead. He had the garbage time the previous week. He didn't really play well in the Dallas game, but he hit that long touchdown pass late in that game. And what happens? Again, do you want to agonize over every snap with Taysom Hill? Probably not. I'm sure there's going to be moments where Tampa Bay is going to make him look like he's not even a quarterback, like like they just yeah. the emergency quarterbacks on the field. And maybe Taysom Hill, it's, it's going to be 230 or you know halfway through the game, he's going to have three points. But at the end of the day, Taysom Hill always has 23 points. It's just a, a rule of thumb, it's just the way fantasy is scored. And the fact that he's so active to run. I mean, you mentioned Josh Allen has the turf toe. I thought it was fascinating that Allen ran proactively in that Tampa game, something I thought he would do against New England. I don't think he did enough of. I think they should have called maybe more, especially because the New England game was more important to them, a division game, a conference yeah. game. And I thought that they left some stuff on the table. Allen played that game like it was a playoff game. You know, we joke about Taylor Heineke. It's always fourth down with Heineke. He plays every game like the last snap of his life. I thought Allen played that way in the Tampa Bay game, just showing the level of desperation and urgency that Buffalo had. Uh, Taysom Hill's another guy like that. I mean, he he runs. He, he's not concerned with sliding. He's not concerned with going out of bounds. He's like, okay, I need to maximize this play. I got to maximize my time as a starter. So I'll probably be looking to DFS him again, although Tampa Bay is a difficult matchup. I guess the bottom line with all this is, do you have the nerve to play Roethlisberger? Because Roethlisberger <laughs> of this group, if you were to say to me, okay, somebody's going to score five points in this group, I'd point to Roethlisberger. Somebody's going to throw four picks, I'd point to Roethlisberger. Do you sure. have the nerve to push the button on him? Well, first of all, if somebody's going to throw four picks, it might, I mean, it might be Taysom. It might be the guy who literally just threw four picks a couple of weeks ago, right? Fair. Um, yeah, the the argument for Roethlisberger, two things. One is is certainly flawed, and it's uh, recency bias. He just looks so good. Like when he had time, when he when he doesn't have time, he's not Ben anymore, right? He just goes down. Um, bad things can happen. But when he had time, like he made some beautiful throws against the Vikings. Absolutely gorgeous throws. I don't know how repeatable that is for him from week to week. Um, but the other argument for him is is just pure volume at this point, because that that defense, um, despite having a, a couple of brand names, is not it's not shutting anybody down. And it was it was an embarrassing performance in the first half. Bad, it's Minnesota. bad defense, Andy. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense is bad. I know a lot of it's been yeah. tied to injury, but it's just weird for me. You see that helmet, and you immediately think, okay, Steelers, good defense. Right, like, right. like the Bears, right? The Bears, right. good defense. No, the Bears don't have a good defense. Neither do the Steelers. No, it was an absolute wreck. And that's led to Roethlisberger having all these games with 40-plus pass attempts, and that's hard, to, that's hard to screw up. I almost want to have the discussion here. Um, I, I mentioned James Washington as a potential pickup for Pittsburgh. Like, at some point, do does Chase Claypool pay a penalty for all of this boneheadedness? For clay pulling, yeah. Yeah, for the finger point and you know, um he's so talented too. He's such a matchup problem. Um, but I think he's he hasn't always been on the same page with Tomlin. Man, Ben, look at all the receipts. You know, I'm really curious to see who lands in this. This this is to me yeah. the interesting thing. What quarterback lands here? What quarterback wouldn't want this? I mean, when Tom Brady left New England, he knew he needed to be supported by, you know, A minus, if not A. A plus skill talent, and he goes to Tampa. We got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They got Gronk to come back uh, when Antonio Brown is 
has his head on straight. He's part of that mix. Even even the guys, I mean, look, they, they got a touchdown from Brashad Perriman to, to end that game. You know, Tyler Johnson's a good player. Scotty Miller went healthy. Is I mean, there's so much talent there. Yeah. Some quarterback right now, you know, uh, I don't know if it's a free agent. I don't know if they'll end up drafting somebody. It's not a good quarterback draft, as we know. Is going to get the throw to Deontay Johnson, presumably Chase Claypool. We'll, we'll see if uh, if Juju, what his status is. Uh, Fryermuth looks like a, like a decent prospect, uh, somebody who's been really effective in the red zone, even without coming up with that catch at Minnesota. T- that was a tough catch. I, don't, I wouldn't even call that a drop. I'm curious if they scored it as such, but... He's a good player. Oh There's no, he got. Pres- I mean, he got hit. He, it was ripped away, right? Like that. That certainly shouldn't go. To, it would have been a heroic, absolutely heroic catch. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So uh, this is a place. This is a you can win here. You can succeed here. I don't know if Matt Canada is the right guy for the job. I think he's been kind of an odd fit. I don't always like the Steelers have a certain affinity for like certain screens that easily telegraph, and they seem to get blown up a lot. I think Najee Harris left a lot on the table. Again, I blame that more maybe to the play calling. But they, I will say, um, as you were as you were walking through their receivers, you know, Najee's been a very effective receiver for that team, and he actually leads he leads all running backs in missed tackles on receptions by like a mile. Um, entered the week actually leading everyone in missed tackles. Um, gets almost no credit for that because he's he's still been a pretty inefficient back. Obviously there's offensive line trouble. He gets met in the backfield all the time, but he's been he's been much slipperier than than most people give him credit for. You get next level with the stats. I like that. <laughs> you know, the, well they say that the whole idea is that offensive line play has more to do with the running game than we want to give it credit for and it has less to do in the passing game as far as like protection and stuff that sacks are almost like a court, more of a quarterback stat than they are an offensive line stat. But if you have a bad offensive line, it's really difficult to get a running game going. And I think yeah. that's what we've seen with Najee Harris, but I'm curious to see, I, I've probably taken the original question far off the, the track that you wanted, but I'm really curious to see who the next Steelers quarterback is. I mean, did they make a play for Minshew? Is there another free agent in play? Could, could they whisper the right things to Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Man, Minshew could get fun there. I mean, obviously, anybody who lands there could get fun. Um, and if it's one of the actual elite quarterbacks, um, look out. Although, yeah, I don't like is Russell Wilson going to find Russell Wilson isn't going to find two better receivers than he has right now, but he might find a more interesting offense overall. That's a good that, that's an interesting choice. Would you rather have would you rather be working with Seattle's offensive talent or Pittsburgh's offensive talent going forward? I mean, maybe with the case of Wilson, maybe just it's just time for him in Seattle just to go yeah. separate ways. But um, who, who's better? Set, or if you're Aaron Rodgers, right? And you said, okay, let's just play a fun parlor game. Okay, you can go to all the pieces they have in Denver or all the pieces they have in Pittsburgh. Where, where would you rather go? Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. It's probably, man, that's a really good question. I know I've got the running game in Denver got the running game in pittsburgh too um man i i think it might be denver it's close it's really close i feel like the talent's a little bit better in denver but the stability the fact that pittsburgh's only had what those those three coaches for the longest time they have really yeah. strong ownership i feel like there might be more i don't know you're just going to something that feels like it has a better floor in pittsburgh there's just a better infrastructure there um i don't know what the coaching situation is going to be with fangio but Denver's got so much talent. That receiver. I, I feel like Denver's maybe a little bit deeper with their receiver talent. It's really close, though. I, I don't think there's an obvious answer here. I, I kind of have to think about it, too. Let me, let me ask you, um, while we're still on the quarterbacks, um, I think it's actually notable that uh, I, 
I didn't mention any rookie quarterbacks here. There's not a single rookie quarterback that I tossed into the into the potential pickups. Just don't see any of them blowing up. Um, what is your what? And listen, I don't blame you if you didn't watch a moment of the the Jacksonville game <laughs> on Sunday. But like, what's your what's your current what's your current read on Trevor Lawrence? I I hate to I hate to even call it regression because it's just such a it's such a like total clown car of an organization right now. And the urban Meyer stuff hanging over it is just so messy and he's got to go. And maybe we shouldn't evaluate anybody here until we just get a clean sweep of the coaching staff. But I don't know how much, how much damage do you think could possibly have been done to Trevor Lawrence, who I, who I still believe in long-term and like this receiving core is good too. I don't know. Let's, let's talk the rookie quarterbacks generally a little bit. I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I, I can't believe that everything we saw, and, and, and granted, he had all the toys and advantages at Clemson. I get it, but he landed in about the just about the worst. This is a problem when you're the number one overall pick, and the pick belongs to a bad team, and then they make a horrible decision with their head coach. I, I hope Khan sees this. Um, you know, they're going to eat some money, or maybe they'll have to negotiate a buyout. I, I mean, I got to figure Meyer. He, he can't be happy either. Meyer I mean, can't want to be there. Right. Like this can't be fun for him. It doesn't look fun for him. It doesn't look fun for anybody. It's not fun for James Robinson. We know it's not fun for LaVisca Chanel. You know, Mar- Marvin Jones, who by all accounts is like a really just respected kind of soft spoken guy. It, it takes a lot to, I think, to get Marvin Jones's dander up. There's too many. Look, we're, obviously, we're not on the bus. We're not in the locker room. We're not in the bars of Ohio. But <laughs> it, it sure seems like the, the thing that stinks here is Urban Meyer. I yeah. still believe in Trevor Lawrence going forward. But is it too early? What is it too early to say? Should the Jets be in the quarterback market? We've learned nothing about about Trey Lance this year. Uh, Fields has been put in kind of an unwinnable situation. We know Chicago at some point is going to move on from Nagy. It's just a matter of if they wait until the end of the season, which I, th- I think still mostly in season firings never really make sense to me, I, unless it's a re- unless it's gone ha- as haywire as maybe the Meyer situation has. Just let Nagy finish the rest of the year. I don't have yeah, any the, problem. The with Meyer that, situation is one where it just feels like it's so bad between Meyer and his own assistants, um, let alone Meyer and his actual players. Um, where maybe an in, like an in-season firing would make sense, but I, I generally speaking, I agree with you. Yeah, who would want to coach on his staff? Ugh. It's so strange because I mean, this is a guy who won everywhere in college. I mean, you, you know, yes, yes. Once you're on, once you're at Florida or you're at especially Ohio State. The conveyor belt of talent makes it difficult to to screw that up. But, I mean, this guy won at Bowling Green. This guy won at Utah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, maybe some people just better serve to be college coaches or maybe Meyer will just be an analyst. But um, for a guy who generally seemed to be in control, a couple, he had a couple of smudges on his college resume of situations off field he didn't handle well. So I don't want to make it out like he was perfect or anything. He certainly wasn't. But uh, one of, this is going to go down as – He's going to be one of the canonical examples of, oh, you remember when Freddie Kitchens was the Browns coach or <laughs> stuff like that? Remember when Urban Meyer had that one year in, in Jacksonville? I think there's a 0% chance he's their coach on opening day. Too. And this is not a hot take. I think everybody sees this. I'm not giving up on Trevor Lawrence. In fact, I think it'll be a great opportunity to get a discount on Lawrence next year. He can, he can, I'm still very bullish on him. I, I will say in the in the current environment, it always seems weird to me that that any coach would ever consider going from the the pro ranks to the college ranks just because the the demands on a college coach are so ridiculous right now. But I will say Urban Meyer and listen, it's not like I'm some veteran college reporter, but I have covered Big Ten Media Days back in the back in the day and I spent some time around Urban Meyer there. And he's got that thing where because like you have to be good dealing with 
boosters and media and players and other coaches. And like, you have to, you have to have like four or five different personalities and wow, does he have that? Like he can, he can just absolutely transform into different human beings, depending on the audience that he's with. Um, and that's a, that can be a creepy characteristic, right? It can be a weird characteristic, but he's got it. Like he was a natural, I thought as a, as a college coach. And he, he just sort of slipped into different personas, like few people I have ever seen. I mean, some people just meant to be in college, you know, Nick yeah. Saban, um, one of the great all time, what ifs, right? What if, Miami had their doctors have a different idea about Drew Brees' shoulder. Yeah. And what if the Dolphins signed Drew Brees, which they wanted to do, rather than Dante Culpepper, who was the the fallback option, obviously didn't work out. And maybe Nick Saban's in Miami for 15 years. Who knows? Um, you know, Rick Rick Patino was in, you know, tried to make a go of it with the Celtics, was successful with the Knicks briefly, but um, you know, was just meant to be a college coach. Um the thing the thing with all all coaches are, are power hungry and they're type A guys and everything. But when you're the college coach, you're the head. You're at the head of the food chain. Where in the NFL, it's a little bit different, right? It, it's more of a. It's the college games are generally we think of them as coaches' games, and the pro game is more of a players' game. Coaching, of course, it, very important in both. But I'm curious to see if Urban Meyer. I think he's 57. I mean, do you think he'll coach again at some level? I can't imagine. Um, like, Would you well, want him to coach your team if Iowa had no? If 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 Iowa's coach, um, it's Ferens, right? Yeah. 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 If he, if he decided to retire, would you want Urban Meyer? Uh, that's a, that's a really, well, I would prefer Urban Meyer to, uh, Brian Ferentz, uh, to any current assistant. Uh, <laughs> like that's such a, that's such a non Iowa hire. Iowa, Iowa does the thing that, uh, or they try to do the thing that the Steelers do, right? They just want to have like generational coaches. They, they, you know, they went from Hayden yeah. Fry to Kirk. Hayden Fry was there forever. Sure. Yeah, they just want to have twenty-year coaches, and um, they they want to find they want to find a guy who's not looking necessarily to move on to the next job. I mean, there was a there was a while there, of course, where like anytime an NFL job would come open, they gave her, they gave Kirk Ferentz like five more years, right? Because they were just panicky about the idea of him leaving. That's not really a threat right now. Um, but uh, uh, man, I can't. I certainly can't imagine Urban going out this way. Um, cause it, it looks deeply unfun. It's been just a, a stain on his reputation and, uh, his, his resume. I can't imagine that this is the final job for urban. He's going to find some college that'll, that'll take him on. It's the fun, you know, in college, he was urban legend and the NFL, he's been urban myth. Let me just mention that as we're, uh, as we're talking, I'm, um, seeing a note that Philip Lindsay has tested positive for COVID-19. So you can go ahead and scratch Philip Lindsay from your, your list of running back ads. I think we probably have to stay away from the Miami backfield at this point until we can figure out who is actually going to be on the field, uh, in maybe bump, maybe bump two up another buck or two from, from that too. Right. Right. No, it's a good, it's a good point. makes him that much more interesting. They get the jets, super friendly matchup. Uh, as of right now, uh, we, we have no idea. We have to assume that everybody's like a close contact too, because the entire running back room, uh, on the, on the COVID list currently. So that's a big worry. Let's, let's dive into the wide receiver position. We had a couple of notable injuries there. Terry McLaurin checks out with a, with a concussion, really unfortunate, like Tough stretch for Terry McLaurin. That's such an ugly offense to watch um, without him on the field. DJ Moore came away with a hamstring issue that we're going to have to monitor this week. Um, the ads that I wrote about, the guys that I actually wrote up, were um, none of them played on Sunday. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, 
like Kendrick Bourne was one of these guys who like his his roster percentage has been a little bit weird relative to where he's been in the overall ranks all season. Right. Like he's been I mean, he entered week 14 as the wide receiver 26 overall. It's weird because he's doing it without huge target totals. Right. It's nothing for him to see like four targets, six targets. But he has made highlight catches. He's made incredible plays. He's finding the end zone. They hand him the ball a little bit as a as a rusher. Um, they've let him throw the ball this year, uh, and he's and he's performed basically as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. He's out there in like seventy percent of Yahoo leagues, and I I understand that people had to drop guys who couldn't help him in in week fourteen. But I do think that Kendrick Bourne deserves a look. Certainly, wrote about KJ Osborne because Adam Thielen has the high ankle sprain. Osborne has found the end zone in back to back weeks. No, he's not a direct replacement for Adam Thielen. He doesn't do everything that Thielen does. Um, but he's good. He's a he's a crafty enough player, and he's clearly in the circle of trust for the Vikings right now. Also wrote about Devontae Parker, who's back from IR, you know, caught everything thrown his way before the bye, then heads to the bye, comes out of it, gets the Jets. That's a super friendly matchup. In any given week, it, it's no surprise if Devontae Parker sees 10, 11, 12 targets. So I think he's pretty interesting. Other guys we need to note, um, Gabriel Davis, uh, especially after the after the injury to Emmanuel Sanders. But Davis is, you know, even when he's only on the field as like a fourth receiver, um, he's had some he's had some splash plays in the past. Um, Really interesting name. Obviously, if Sanders can't go in the weeks ahead, Davis gets a lot more interesting. And then Amon Ross St. Brown just saw his second consecutive 12 target game, which I think certainly if you're in a full PPR format, I think that makes him interesting. How do you sort this group out? Yeah, um, follow the targets, right? The Salfino rule of double-digit yeah. targets. St. Brown should be rostered. You, I wonder, you know, Davis has scored back-to-back weeks. And with Sanders dinged up, I wonder at what point, Sanders, I believe, is 34 years old, which yeah. is really old for an NFL skill player. I wonder at what point Buffalo says, you know, we're better. We're more dynamic offensive team. We're harder to defend with Gabriel Davis on the field. I wonder at what point they're close to that. Uh, Osborne, as you said, he's he, – it, it's kind of like Osborne to Thielen is Madison to Cook, right? You're not getting the same <laughs> yeah, player, no, but you're, get, you're getting a chunk of his value. A very playable guy. He's getting red zone looks. He had the he had the short touchdown two weeks ago. He had the long touchdown against Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, they're going to dump a bunch of targets on Jefferson as they should, but it's a very narrow usage tree in Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Because, you know, don't we all want another uh, primetime Kirk Cousins game? Well, you're getting it. You're getting the, you know, nobody wanted getting the Bears. Another Bears game, too. Yeah, I know, man. The, the Bears, they're, they're on they're, they're on standalone games more than any team I can think of that, that you know, is is stumbling. Although, when it's I wild. see the NFC playoff picture, they still seem to show up. They haven't been eliminated yet. I, I guess, you know, Matt Nagy could go on a four-game winning streak and salvage this. I, I guess it's in play. You didn't mention Robbie Anderson. Now, with, with DJ Moore dinged up, it's, it's hard to trust Cam as a passer uh, these days. And I know Anderson is – the people who drafted Anderson have probably sworn off him. He's been dropped a long time ago. He may have even been mentioned as a drop on this podcast at one point. He did have 12 targets on Sunday. If Moore were to be unable to go this week, they get Buffalo. Um, could – you know, no Tredavious White, of course. Could you talk yourself into Robbie Anderson? Uh, yeah, it's possible that the reason that I didn't actually write about him is that I'm a little too heavy on Robbie Anderson. I don't know how this happened. It's a combination of dynasty leagues and uh, a handful of regrettable redraft decisions. I've, I've got more Robbie Anderson than I know what to do with. (laughs) And I don't, I don't need any more. 
Yeah, you over, you're like the store that that overinvested in the Christmas item and nobody wants to buy it. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes. so if you need Robbie Anderson, you know where to go, right? <laughs> Andy, Andy Barons is crazy. Andy Barons is you know every Anderson must go. Any Anderson <laughs> will do. The the thing with the Patriots with Bourne is, I, I just worry that any week any Patriot receiver could have 19 yards. Yeah, well, that, that's been the concern with like Hunter Henry all year, right? Like when Henry doesn't score. It's it's a total dud. It's two catches and 17 yards. Um, but he had, you know, he, he scores more often than not. Fair, fair. Um, and, and I'm with you on Devontae Parker. Um, caught all, As you said, caught all of his targets in his first game back. And he in a full season, he's somebody you would project for like 1,100 yards or something like that. I mean, he could be yeah. like a injury replacement Pro Bowl level receiver. That, that's how good Devontae Parker is. And maybe they need to throw it more with their running back room in disarray right now. Two is good enough. He looked comfortable with Parker two weeks ago. Uh, and with that schedule, right, the Jets are obviously a great draw. And you can't run in New Orleans. They'll have to throw against New Orleans. So um, I think he's a really interesting add for the fantasy playoffs. Um, I have no I have no exciting names at tight end, Scott. I no, wish I did. It's been this way for a little while. Uh, the guys I've mentioned, I got a couple of new names. I don't know. I mentioned Brevin Jordan. He's now he's now found the end zone twice, I believe, in his last three games. That's something. Uh, anytime you can get a secondary option for Davis Mills, I suppose you got to do it, right? Foster Moreau might still have a little bit of value. We don't yet know Darren Waller's status. Uh, he's got that IT band issue. I'll throw out the name Tyler Conklin again. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, it's rarely a blow-up week, but that can theoretically happen. Um, Gerald Everett has also found the end zone two times in his last three games. He's also had some really ugly moments for Seattle. I don't know. It's rough out there at tight end, man. It is. Uh, at least with Everett, he's getting the goal line looks. You know, One yeah. of them he turned into an interception a couple of weeks ago. And Wilson looks healthier. <laughs> yeah. The offense is starting to play better, so you like that. You know, Conklin, is he's that... He can't be a home run, but he can be a single on a good day. You might get a double out of it. At least Minnesota does have that tight usage tree. So you can hang your hat on that. Cousins is at least, you know, a slightly above average quarterback, maybe well above average. I guess opinions differ on that. You know, you, 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 you laughed about Davis Mills. I'll, I'll tell you what, at least, at least Houston's doing the right thing. It's not like they had any history any yeah, future yeah. with Toronto yeah, Taylor. Absolutely. Let Davis Mills play. He played excellent against New England a couple months ago. He wasn't bad against the Rams. I thought he was perfectly fine against Seattle, and I, I thought he made Brandon Cooks a lot easier of a fantasy start uh, who came into the week dinged up. He seemed to have got some chemistry together. The guys, they made some plays two weeks ago as well. Jordan scored kind of on a broken play where the coverage broke down and, and Jordan was wide open in the corner of the end zone, but he's getting opportunities near the goal line. They don't really have a second receiver there that you really trust. They haven't gotten a running game going all season. I don't mind Jordan. Moreau has let me down so much the last two weeks. Renfro's taken over. Yeah. He's been the guy we talked about earlier, has stepped up in Waller's absence, and maybe Waller will play this week. So I think Moreau goes to the bottom of the pile. Uh, Everett would be my first guy. because I think he's the best chance at a touchdown here. Then I'd go Conklin, Jordan, and Moreau, and um, Godspeed to anybody who needs these tight ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Um Basically, if you didn't get if you didn't get Fryermuth off of uh, off of the wire and you didn't draft one of those top four or five tight ends, it is so rough. It is it is. I don't know. Should we ban tight end? Should we get rid of it? No, we shouldn't get rid of it. But yeah, when I when I had to play Austin Hooper in emergency because the other and actually, you know, I don't know what Hooper's roster share is, but if Cleveland continues to have injury problems at tight end, what made him playable in week 14 was that the other two tight ends that Baker Mayfield would like to throw three targets to weren't playing. Yeah. 
So Hooper had his best game of the season. If the injury list is still littered in Cleveland, and if we know before the game, and actually I believe they play on Saturday. So um, and heads up to everybody. There's two games on Saturday, so you're gonna your fantasy experience is Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday this week. Um, I think Austin Hooper would be playable too. I I, I gotta figure he's probably under fifty percent. He is. I, I believe he's right around forty percent. I looked at him. I just didn't have it in my heart to recommend another Browns yeah. tight How end. Could you? Or on the end of the Browns, anything really. Give me a player that you're dropping this week. It's just not happening for Allen Robinson. He's missed too much time. <sighs> he doesn't have chemistry with Justin Fields. Even in a, a pinball game between Green Bay and Chicago, what do you have, 14 yards or something like that? It's not the – I like to say when I when I put out a fade of a player that I like, I like to say, look, it's not the player, it's the situation And uh, with Allen Robinson. And of course, the injuries haven't helped, but I can't – play him i can't play him proactively until i see a show me game we're too late in the season for show me games you need you need to win in week 15 yeah. so um i'm not i don't have the fear of oh i'll drop alan robinson somebody else will start him against me your playoff opponent probably doesn't wouldn't even notice if alan robinson were on the wire you can safely cut him for a second defense or an emergency running back or you know insurance at other positions he's not good enough to play right now oh i bought low earlier in the season it has not worked out it is it absolutely lower. not worked out and uh I, I believe i've i don't know if i have any shares left i i think i've i think i've dropped him long ago uh they tried they tried to get it going with him uh right off the bat on you Sunday replaced night. all your all right your away. um alan robinson shares with uh, robbie anderson shares you you needed room for the robbie anderson backlog so much robbie anderson. inventory that you have <laughs> i'm sick about it everything must go um, I will meet or beat any price on Robbie Anderson. <laughs> that is my promise. All, all, all uh, competitors' coupons will be honored. <laughs> they certainly <laughs> will. Um, my drop this week is going to be, first of all, it's just going to be generically any Denver receiver. Uh, we, we mentioned them earlier as a great landing spot for someone like Aaron Rodgers or any sort of hyper-talented quarterback next year. Um, these guys are good. Like I believe in Jerry Judy. I certainly believe in Cortland Sutton. I believe in Noah Fant. Um, there's nothing that Denver likes better than throwing, you know, four yard passes to Noah Fant when they need eight yards for a first down. It's weird. Um, but it's just not working for any of these guys. We've, we've talked about the situation with Cortland Sutton before he's barely getting targeted. I keep ranking Jerry Judy as if he might be a playable receiver. He still doesn't have a, a touchdown. And he doesn't have 80 receiving yards in any game, Scott. He doesn't have 80 receiving yards in any game. You can't play a guy like that. Yeah, we fantasy, we like touchdowns. We like big yardage, not getting it. And also, the other part of this problem, although we'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon's uh, hand or wrist or whatever it was, but they have two good running backs who are they, – they found out very early in that Detroit game, we can just run all over the Lions. You know, here's a bunch of Gordon. Here's a bunch of Williams. So that they're not, they're never in a position where they feel like they need to throw the ball 40, 45 times. And so yep. that's a negative as well. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely brutal. Can't touch them. Can't touch Sutton. I've dropped Fant myself. Like if, if I, like who's a bigger Iowa tight end apologist than me. And if I have dropped Noah Fant, you know, he's fallen on hard times. Yeah. Tough week for, you know, Hawkinson not playing Fant, not uh, at least Kittle's picking it up for the other two guys. Kittle's but. carrying all Iowa tight ends right now. It's true. It's totally true. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, but we'll keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Barons. Follow Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski. For fantasy news and analysis from the entire team, please make sure that you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott will be back tomorrow with Frank Schwab for the betting preview of Week 15 in the NFL. But until then, we are out. <laughs>